0: God bless you and thank you for joining Kingdom Authority with your hosts, Rev. Dancia Jones-Morris and Bishop Latrice Jester, broadcasting live via Blog Talk Radio. Our radio ministry is dedicated to helping each and every listener learn how to stand in the authority and power of God, live a victorious life in Christ Jesus, reign and rule as a son and daughter of the Most High God, and utilize your gifts for the glory of God and advance the Church of Christ Jesus. Now is your chance to get Kingdom Empowered, and we want to hear from you. So if you would like to speak directly with our host, call us at 646-668-2413. And let's join our hosts, Reverend Dancia Jones-Morris and Bishop Latresa Jester on Kingdom Authority. Good evening. We're so happy that you're able to join us tonight. This is the day that the Lord has made, and I'm telling you, we have to rejoice and be glad in it. It is a wonderful night. It is a wonderful evening to enjoy the Lord and talk about marriages that last. I'm so glad that you joined us on Kingdom Authority. I'm your host, Reverend Dancia Jones Morris, and Bishop Latrice Jester is on travel, so she will not be with us on tonight. Hopefully, she'll tune in, but you'll have me tonight, and I'm excited to be here. Listen, God is a great God, and he's worthy to be praised. I really had to refocus and make sure that what we're talking about tonight is something that's special for each and every one of you, whether you're married or not. And I'm telling you, these are the times that we have got to focus on the institution of the family, specifically married couples. And so I'm so happy, so glad that you have joined us tonight. I see you coming in. Thank you so much for joining us. Kingdom Authority is where it's at on Sunday nights at 8.30 p.m. Eastern Standard Time, 5.30 p.m. Mountain Standard Time, normally at 8 o'clock. So thank you all for postponing your time and joining us on tonight we're we're appreciative to this shall we go to the Lord in prayer and I'm and I'm ready to pray on tonight because I've had some things hit me on today and throughout the night and I'm just ready to go before the throne of God um, and just just titian on behalf of marriages father we thank you we bless you you are the omnipotent God you are Adonai you are the almighty God you are the man, the Alpha. You are the Omega. You're the beginning and the end. You're a divine God. You're a great God. You're a holy God. You are truly the mighty God. You are Jesus, and you are wonderful, Counselor, Everlasting Father, the Prince of Peace. We call you El Shaddai, the God that's more than enough. Thank you, O oh God, for being omnipotent, omniscient, and we thank you for being all-knowing. We thank you, oh, God, for being just a terrific God. You are a good, good father. You are a protector and you're a healer. And you are our all-in-all. God, we bless you and we praise you on this evening just for being who you are. You are divine. You are just. You are magnificent. Hallelujah. You are just everything that we need. You are all in all, and I thank you for who you have been in my life. Thank you for who you are to each and every one of us, Father. You are the great I am, and we acknowledge you and bless you and thank you, and we lift our hands to say thank you. We lift our voice to say thank you. We lift our hearts to shout hallelujah. We are Worship you for all that you have done. You are holy. You're righteous. Thank you, Jesus. You are Yahweh. You're Jehovah Jireh. Hiya, hiya, yada, boshana. You're Jehovah Rofah. Jehovah Shalom. You are our peace. And we acknowledge you for who you are, what you are, what you have done, just for you being who you are in our life. You are God Almighty, and we acknowledge you. You have been everything that we needed during this time. And because you are the creator mm, of all, we come to you and say thank you. We come to you and say we appreciate you. We've come to you to say, Lord, Bless marriages in the name of Jesus. Every vow that was made, help us to be committed to it, God. We're not perfect. We don't always do it right. We don't have all the answers. We don't always make the right move. But God, if you're in it, it shall last. And we lift up marriages that are under your name, the name of Jesus, according to how you instituted, Lord, in the name of Jesus, male and female, I claim it in the name of Jesus, that marriages in your name operating on your behalf will prevail. Thank you, Holy Ghost. Thank you, Lord. And God whatsoever you have put together you 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 let no man put asunder yes we get weak yes we get weary yes we don't even understand sometimes but lord you are god and what you do works well and so we lift up marriages god i now understand why it's so rough but lord in the name of jesus rough to get people to want to talk about marriage. So, Lord, on this evening, bless this word so that we can go forward. In the name of Jesus we pray, amen. Hallelujah, hallelujah. I hope you're giving God praise right there. Hmm. I hope you're blessing him right there because I just said a whole bunch of different names of who God is. And he's teaching me to say who he is in prayer and to declare his word in prayer. So I hope you bless him just for being El Shaddai, the God that's more than enough in your life, the keeper, the redeemer, the healer, our strong tower, our leaning post, everything that we need, God is. Oh, my God. There's a song that says, God is the joy and the strength of my life. Everybody my feet. He moves all pain, misery, and strife. He promised to keep me never, 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 never to leave me. He's never, ever come short of his word. That's why I have to fast and pray and stay in his narrow way. I've got to keep my life clean. Ain't nobody do it for me. I've got to keep my own life clean every day because I want to go with him. When he comes back, I've come too far. I've come too far, and I won't turn Back, Let me tell you, God is Mm, mm, mm. absolutely everything that we need. Woo, 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 hallelujah. And he will supply your every need, yes, he will, according to his riches and glory. What a great God. We thank you for joining us on tonight. When I say us, it's me, myself, and I. Jesus, God, and the Holy Ghost, and we're going to do this together. Hallelujah. So thank you so much for joining tonight. We're going to talk about marriages that last. So let me just say this quote, and I'm going to get into some things, and you're going to listen to me for the next, listen to the Lord, how he speaks through me for the next um, about 50 minutes. Listen, the quote says, The married couple that seem to be successful in making love last are those that have a high regard and respect for each other, and they are intentional about nurturing the marital friendship. Listen again. The married couple that seem to be successful in making love laugh are those that have a high regard and respect for each other, and they are intentional about nurturing the marital friendship. That's from Kathy T. Houston. and let me tell you something about that. I don't know if you understand or if you're listening and you are married, and I hope the married couples do listen on tonight. Um, when you enter into this, we're going to talk about Genesis two, and then we're going to go into some things in Ephesians and first Corinthians. I want to give you some stats too of what's going on in marriages, studying about marriage Ephesians five is what we're going to talk about. so get your get your Bible ready. Genesis two, Ephesians five and First Corinthians seven, I say again. Genesis 2, Ephesians 5, and 1 Corinthians 7. I believe that's where we're going to come from tonight, if the Lord says the same. And so I'm going to let you know something real quick. It, you have to be intentional about nurturing your marital friendship. I have learned this this year. It is not about a marriage just working out. Listen, if I can be just a little bit transparent, but you're not going to be all up in my business because this is going to go down to history. And I thank you all who've been tapping in still with the single ladies living phase. Thank you so much. More and more people are still clicking that link and learning. I thank you, women of God, and even men of God who are coming in and trying to see what are we talking about, what are ladies talking about. But right now, we're we're going to be intentional about married life. And those single who are listening, this is my point of view, my experience, but you won't get to know everything because it's not your business. Here's the thing. What I have learned is that marriages don't fix themselves. Marriages don't work out because it just works because it's married. There are some intentional things, and my pastor talks about this, about becoming one. Come one, but how we become one, Physically, emotionally, here on this earth, we have to be intentional, take the right steps, and do what God has said and do some practical things to make this thing work. It just doesn't work out. You can't live in fantasy land because this is not fantasy. This is reality, and we have to deal with it. And so Kathy understood this and wrote that quote and says, They are intentional. If you want to make love last, You have to be intentional about nurturing the marital friendship. Yeah, y'all keep coming on in. I see you. Keep coming on in, tapping on the link. You can go to Kingdom Empowerment Incorporated. You can be able to call in just a few moments. I want you to understand it is so critical for us to be intentional if we're going to make marriage last. And, you know, I, I I reached out to several, several, several different pastors, several different ministers, several different married couples who I know have been married for 40 and 50 years. And listen to me when I say either they had another appointment, didn't want to do it, felt shy about it or whatever the case. All I knew is that the devil blocked it. Let me help you understand. i now understand why it's been so rough to do this series. And I'm going to continue to do the series until until God says to stop. Because now I know there's such an attack on marriages that we don't even want to share our experiences to get God be glorified. When we got people who are being who are glorifying their self-made marriages, meaning that they're marrying themselves, they're marrying outside of the will of God, and then they're causing marriages to be made a mockery of what God has made. And we, the Christians, the disciples of Jesus Christ will not tap in, and if I didn't get to you, you can come on and hit me up on Dancia um, Morris on my Facebook and say, I want to come on the show and talk about it. So if it's not you and you want to come on, then you go ahead and step out there in faith and let me know that you want to be on here. But I'm going to tell you right now, we have not stood up the way we should. We'll talk about divorce in the in the churches. We'll talk about divorce in the world. We'll talk about how our husbands aren't doing right or our wives aren't doing right. right? So many people are stepping out, but we won't step up. We step out, but we won't step up. Listen to me. Stepping out, stepping out, I'm talking about not in the fashion being what God wants us to be, but we step out in ways where we'll talk about the negative, but we won't uplift the positive. I'm talking about me right now and what I have done, and it's critical in this time. God has impressed upon me and allowed me to go through things to understand how critical it is for us to be a a light when it comes to marriages, when it comes to the family when it comes to the institution of the family. And so tonight and for the next three weeks, and I pray somebody comes on, I am acknowledging that we are going to have to step up to the plate. What am I talking about? I'm talking about acknowledging the fact that God made this institution, that God is the head of this institution, that God is the reason why we're still together, even if it's only a year, even if it's five, six years, even if it's 15 and 20, and especially if it's 25 to 50 and 60 years, God is the reason why we're still together, because we honor God in this thing. I said on the single lady living save marriage is not so much about your happiness. It is You know, I heard somebody say this, didn't totally agree a while back, and got it just a month or a half ago. And so I realized marriage is not so much about your happiness, not that you can't be married happy because you can be, but it's about how holy you are. Let me help you understand. So don't get the H's wrong. It's not so much about you being happy. If you're going to get married, don't think. It's because the marriage will make you happy. Uh Uh-uh. You have to be happy. Listen to me when I say this. You have to be happy in the marriage. Listen to me, people of God. I have learned this, and we're going to go to some scriptures in a minute. You have to be happy in the marriage because the marriage itself won't make you happy especially when you go through trials and tribulations. That doesn't always feel good, but your response to the trials and tribulations in the marriage causes you to to make a choice if you're going to be – I'm telling you what I've learned. It causes you to make a choice if you're going to be happy or not. And so we choose what we're going to do in the marriage, in any relationship for that marriage for that matter. Let me tell you something. You can be happy in a marriage with a cheating spouse. I, you, did y'all hear what I said? You can be happy in a marriage with a cheating spouse, a non-committed spouse, a, non, a, a non-submitted a spouse, but you have to choose it. I, listen to me. You can be happy in a marriage with a spouse who wishy-washy who don't know what they want to do. I've seen it. I know what I'm talking about. But we have to choose holiness in the marriage. Because what if in the marriage God has called us to be holy because that person laying down next to you is the person that sees you at your best and your worst? What if God has called us to be holy, to show our spouse what holiness really is? What if that's the reason? And I declare that that is it today. I declare that is it. He wants to show us how to be holy in our marriage. Okay, marriages is that last. Let me just talk about Genesis 2. And I'm going to matriculate through this whole thing. I love that word. My husband says I love that word. I do. I really do love that word. Matriculate it just sounds like it's just so important and it's so intelligent. Listen. Genesis two, read from the New King James Version. I hope you're turning with me because if I say something wrong, I want y'all to let me know and you can hit me up on instant message through Facebook or even my Instagram and say, it. that's not the verbiage." But I want you to understand, I intend to get this right because I want to be right in what God is saying. And I, I tell you, I'm probably going to get a little happy. And the reason why I'm going to be a little happy is because I'm I'm starting to understand this thing and starting to understand what God is doing in this thing called marriage and why it's so critical for us to make sure that we are doing exactly what God says to do when it comes to married life. Hear me what I'm saying. And I don't have the answer. I want to give a tidbit. We hopefully will have a couple of counselors coming on later in the month that I have contacted, and I'm praying that they'll come on and give some Christian counseling, a Christian tips on what to do in marriage. Situation um, not situation, and marriage life and relationship. listen, Genesis two, listen to this, this is so this is so profound. I'll need to set it up. We're going to read all of it. the heavens and the earth, and all the hosts of them were finished, and on the seventh day, listen, God ended his work, which he had done, and he rested on the seventh day from all his work, which he had done. Then God blessed the seventh day and sanctified it, because in it he rested from all his work, which God had created and made. This is the history of the heavens and the earth when they were created. In the day that the Lord God made the earth and the heavens before any plant of the field was in the earth, and before any herb of the field had grown, for the Lord God had not caused it to rain on the earth. Never rained. Never rained, but he grew some stuff. This is the kind of God we serve. He just, stuff was growing, and it never rained. And there was no man to till the ground. Now, stuff, now, people know stuff don't grow until you do something to the ground. Till it. Fold it over. Make sure that the, 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 the bottom comes to the top and you turn it. And so, but a mist went up from the earth. What? Listen, but a mist went up from the earth and watered the whole face of the ground. When I see mist, it's in certain areas in its word, but a mist went up from the earth and watered the whole face of the ground. Listen to verse 7. And the Lord God formed man of the dust of the ground. Everything's done. There was a mist. And the Lord God formed man of the dust of the ground. Now, if there's a mist and the ground is watered, how this, this got me last night. How is it that he formed man of the dust of the ground? Normally, this is the great God we serve. Normally, when you have a mist and it's watered, it's kind of muddy. But somehow, in some span of time, doesn't say there's a span of time, could have been, haven't studied it enough, but it got me when he says, "And the Lord god formed man of the dust of the ground. This is the kind of God we serve. How do you take a wet ground of the ground, not even the ground, but dust of it, and breathe into his nostrils? Didn't say, What? And breathed into his nostrils the breath of life, and man became what? A living. It says in King James, "As a soul, a living being." Hear this. So we have, or we have everything in place. We have the herbs. plants are growing, herbs are already growing, and we have man, man, male. Get that first of all. Life in God's garden, verse eight. The Lord God planted a garden eastward in Eden. He planted a garden. Already there. And there he put the man whom he had formed, and out of the ground, didn't say he came from an ape, he said, and whom he had formed, and out of the ground, didn't say he came from a gorilla, wasn't walking on all fours, didn't say that, and out of the ground, the Lord God made every tree grow that is pleasant to the sight and good for food. Food there, we got nice flowers, we got nice crops growing. The tree of life was also in the midst of the garden, and the tree of the knowledge of good and evil was there. Verse 10, now a river, water, went out of Eden to water the garden, already there. From there it parted and became four river heads. Uh, There's too much to go into that. The Lord showed me a whole lot with that. The name of the first is Pishon. It is the one which skirts the whole land of Havilah. There, I think it's her, Havila, where there is gold. So there's gold. There's the earth. There's stuff growing. There is um, food. There's a wonderful, beautiful garden. There's water already. And then there's man. Where there is gold. And the gold of the land is good. Delium and the onyx. are there. Jewels are already there. The name of the second river, um, Gihon, it is the one which goes around the whole land of Cush. The name of the third river is, and I don't know how this is pronounced, Hedekal. Hedekal, it is the one which goes toward the east of Assyria. The fourth river is the Euphrates River. Verse 18, then the Lord 15, excuse me. Then the Lord God took the man and put him in the Garden of Eden to tend to keep it. He put him to work. So there's the earth, everything's there, food, garden, beautiful flowers. There's some gold, some jewels, onyx. There's some water already there. And he sets the man who he formed, put him in the garden, told him to work. And the Lord God commanded the man, saying, Of every tree of the garden you may freely eat. Here's the instruction of God. For the tree of the knowledge of good and evil you shall not eat, for in that day, for in the day that you, you shall surely die. Here's the, here's the commandment. And the Lord God said, It is not good that man should be alone. Oh, okay. It's not enough that he hasn't been home. He's, he has all this stuff. He can't be alone. Why? Because I need to make him a helper comparable to him. Did you hear what I said? I will make him a helper comparable to him now we have people that say um unequally yoked and they're starting to do this whole thing listen to me good they're starting to do this whole thing and this happened in prayer in august for me the end of august for me and i was trying to understand unequally yoked and we have advanced unequally yoked to mean that you know and we talk about this in the practical oh well, they're an engineer, but she's a homemaker, so they're not yoked up right. He is a construction worker, and she is the CEO of a bank. Uh, they're not yoked up right. What What are you talking about? Oh, well, um, he's this tall, and she's this short. They're, they can't be yoked up together because of their height. These are things that people are saying right now. Listen to me. I even heard this one I, listen to me, people in the church talking about this person seems to step out in, there, in this way, but this person ain't stepping out with them. They're unequally yoked. No, the Bible says they're unequally yoked as believers if one does not believe. and I, Not that if they don't operate in the belief, that they don't believe, not that they don't operate in ministry, not that they don't operate in intellect, not that they don't operate in education, that they don't operate in occupation, that they don't operate in finances. They're unequally yoked if they're non-believer believers. Hear what I'm saying. And even then, God says, if they're not a believer, they can be won over by how you love them. I want you to understand, because this is going to go down history, and I know the devil does not want me to say it, so I'm going to say it. Don't get this thing twisted and put your own belief systems in here. The Bible is right, and I don't care if it has to be. Everybody else is wrong if you don't interpret what God is saying. He wants us as believers to be the example when we are in a situation and have decided to marry a non-believer now there's people that lie all day I don't know how they lie about being a believer but they do but a tree is known by the fruit it bears and honey if it ain't bearing the right fruit probably ain't the right tree <laughs> listen to me when I say again if the fruit is not producing the way that person's talking probably are not the tree that they say they are. I'm telling you what I know and not what I heard. I ain't fussing. I'm trying to help. Do y'all hear me? All right, listen. The Bible says, the Lord God took them in and put them in the garden. So we have all that. But the tree, you can't eat of certain things. Verse 18, the Lord God said, it is not good that man should be alone. I will make him a helper comparable to him. Out of the ground, the Lord God formed every beast of the field and every bird of the air and brought them to Adam to see what he would call them. And whatever Adam called each living creature, that was its name. Did you understand? Every man that is listening to this broadcast now and will listen to it, do you understand the power God has given you when, and dominion to name what you want when you operate in his order? I am convinced of this now more than ever and have the order of what God has said. Yes, we as females are here, and we do have a say in some things. We're not supposed to just sit and be quiet. That was a time in the New Testament. So don't think that we're here not to do anything, because God said they shall have dominion over the earth. But something happens when the man is in the proper order, and take and, honey, when he says, I'm talking about, you know, my situation. I am talking about y'all's. When he says a certain thing, and sometimes it don't make sense, but with a certain tone, okay, let's do that. I don't even understand that one, but it seems kind of logical, and you just got to kind of back down and not say nothing at all, just kind of, just kind of back down. But here's this. He has dominion to name animals for the rest of time. This is Adam, the power God has given him to name everything. And so let's click on. So Adam gave names to all cows, to the birds of the air, and to every beast of the field. But for Adam, there was not found a helper comparable. They still weren't what he needed. And the Lord God caused a deep sleep to fall on Adam. Every man, be mindful if God ever puts you in a deep sleep. And he slept because God's getting ready to work on you. What is that deep sleep? It's a time of seem like nothing will happen. He's laying you down because he's going to do something within you. Are you hearing me tonight? When God gets ready to put a, have something fall on you where you have to rest and it seems like nothing is moving, nothing's awakened in your life, he's trying to reconstruct you. He's trying to reconstruct you. Destruct, he took one of his ribs and reconstructed something even better for him. Closed up the flesh in its place. Ayyadah, see? Then the rib which the Lord God hath taken from man, he made it a one man, and he brought her to the man. Okay. Okay. And he brought her to the man. And Adam said, ooh. This is now bone of my bones and flesh of my flesh. She shall be called woman because she was taken out of man. Therefore, a man shall leave his father and mother and be joined to his wife, and they shall become one flesh. Let me talk about that real quick because then we're going to get into these stats. When you become one flesh, and there's so much stuff that the Lord has revealed, and I'm starting to learn, and I'm digging, and I'm trying to find stuff because I want to know. As you become one flesh, you can't be doing all this stuff, this stuff, and saying, I'm over here, and she's over there. No, no. you, And that doesn't mean you can't have ministries where you're operating, you know, differently. You have to support one another. You have to support one another. And I'm learning this. You have to support one another in your decisions to do things because everyone has a purpose in life. Everyone individually has their purpose in life. Everyone has to work out their own soul salvation with fear and trembling. You have to work it out. Everyone has that own purpose of why you were created, what you were created to do and how you were created to do it and where and when and all that good stuff. Here's the thing. When you become one flesh, though, you work together together. In your different ministries and/or purpose, becoming one flesh, moving in synchrony. Doesn't happen overnight, but it has to start happening. This is where we have to be intentional. We have to be more understanding. I'm talking to me and talking to y'all. We have to be more understanding of one another. Listen to this. The verse 24. I hope I hope whoever's listening in, you share this because this word has to go out. Therefore, a man shall leave his father and mother, be joined to his wife, and they shall become one flesh. does the man to leave. And they were both naked. Naked means you see them for who they really are. Now, people go into marriages, and they are not real about who they are. Now, I'm one of those type of people, it is what you get, but sometimes you're going to learn something new because I don't know everything about me and how everything has transpired in my life that causes me the same for other people. Here's the thing. You have to be honest of who you are you have to be honest of who you are. Single people, be honest of who you are. If you're a dog, then say you're a dog. I know you don't want to. I know you don't want to. But, um, young ladies, if you are a gold digger, make it plain that you're a gold digger so that guy can come in with his eyes wide open. If you're a nagger, hey, make it known that you're a nagger. Now, men, Don't get upset because you accept the nagging because of another characteristic and then that's the thing that you don't like once you get married. I have to tell you, you walked into it with your eyes open. Female, don't get upset when he says, you know, I got friends over here and friends over there and different area codes and all this stuff and you like, Oh, he'll change you to get married if he's that way before, if he can't run his his um, business before he ain't going to run it when he gets with you. I'm trying to tell you, because there's something I'm going to preach on next Sunday about transformation. There's, there's Unless you're transformed from the inside out, ain't going to be no change. Now, some of us change because we're intentional, but you can't just expect it to just happen. That's not how God worked it out. He didn't intend for us. He gave us a choice and we have a choice listen and they were both naked they were exposed the man and his wife and were not ashamed why because god made them holy from the beginning listen all right we're done with that we're done with that i can't get too much into that cuz i got to get to this stuff study that i read there was a study that i read and it was in 2014 the study and it's from if you want to look it up it's aplus.com it's a lifestyle um called lifestyle a Aplus.com a plus.com. It's a 2014 story of two Emory University professors, and they conducted a survey called A Diamond is Forever and Other Fairy Tales, the relationship between wedding expenses and marriage duration. So many people go into, and let me tell you, I wanted something nice, but I didn't want anything expensive when I got married to my husband. I just wanted us to be able to enjoy and reminisce that day, you know, because I, this was special to me being married to this man. And so listen, in this paper, they talk about and compare the wedding expenses to marriage duration. Let me help single people out who are on their way to the altar. Altogether, in this particular one, there were over 3,000 ever-married persons in the United States taking this survey, and they did it with different demographics and relationship characteristics and so forth, but they excluded respondents who had a non-U.S. IP address reported having a same-sex marriage, that's excluded from this, reported an age at marriage of less than 13 years old or were above age 60. And so altogether there was 3151 respondents. Listen, they learned that the more money a couple makes, the less likely they are to divorce. Did you hear what I said? I I have my own speculations, but I ain't going to try to determine that. Listen, working together, the more money a couple makes, the less likely they are to divorce. Probably because when you divorce, it don't cost you. That's just me. So they looked at it, and here it is. When people made twenty-five to 50000 total household income, they were 31% less likely to get divorced. So that means they had a higher chance of getting divorced. But if they had a hundred to 125000 or or 125000 plus, they were 51% less likely to get divorced. So, the more money they made together, working together, because that, that's what that looks like, working together, they're, they're, they're saying this study said in 2014, they were less likely to get divorced. Listen, they also said the more expensive the wedding and the ring, the increased risk of divorce. So, if they had total wedding expenses of about 0 to 1,000, they were 53% less likely to get divorced. So people that pay less for the weddings got divorced less, probably because they weren't worried about materialism or they weren't materialistic. If they spent between $2,000 and 4000 on an engagement ring, it's associated with a 1.3 times greater hazard of divorce as compared to spending 500 to 2000 So the less they spent on something and put their money and stuff, the less likely they were to get divorced. You hear in these? But the more people you have, the more people you have at their wedding, your chances of divorce decrease. So the more people that witness your wedding, the study says, the less likely you are to get divorced. Y'all, y'all say what you want about that, but I'm thinking, hear, hear me. This is this is internet radio. We talking. I'm thinking they just don't want people to say they got divorced. Did you hear what I said? Because people watched you make the vows. Here's this having a honeymoon, and going to church even matters. The study says your religious attendance, that's why it's so important to go to church together. Your your attendance in church together, you are 46% less likely to get divorced if you regularly go to church together. You wonder why it's so important to go in and worship God together because you develop a more intimate relationship with the Lord. And so, in some cases, with whoever you have, your intimate relationship, I'm going to use the Lord because the Lord Jesus is my God. Couples that went to religious services and those that went away on a honeymoon had lower chances of divorce because you go to worship together and then you go to worship together, if y'all know what I mean. I got to keep it holy and keep it right on here. But you go to worship together and then you worship together. It's so important. Less likely to get divorced. Listen, the more time you spend dating before proposal, listen to this. If you spend, my husband and I spent more than three years, three-plus years, you're 39% less likely to get divorced. It doesn't mean you're not going to have trouble. It doesn't mean you're going to have to go through situations. It doesn't mean you're not going to have sometimes less love because there's times when we're not intentional about marriage. Hear me when I say, I lived in a fantasy world because I thought marriage should have been a certain way because of most of the marriage that I saw but didn't realize because people wouldn't talk about it. They had gone through most of the stuff that I was thinking and gone through. Y'all, Are y'all hearing me? I'm going to put it out there because we're not dealing with this the way we need to deal with this, and now it's going to be on the Internet. We do not talk about trials and tribulations and how to get through them. You know why? Because we don't attack the trials and tribulations the way we should. We have not been purposeful and intentional in what we do in trials and tribulations. I'm coming to tell you it is critical for us to learn how to pray together, how to learn how to love together, how to learn to be even compromised. Together, struggle together. Let me tell you. Let me let me let me just read something right here. The conclusion on that was basically, if you do certain things that are not so materialistic, we're gonna talk about Ephesians five and walking in love in just a moment. Then you tend to then you tend to um, last together better if you do things the way God has intended. Listen to this. This is on the Good Men Project. GoodMenProject.com. I looked this up because I wanted to see what men were saying about marriage. This is 2015, so a little more recent. They published this article that said, the marriage, the hard truth behind marriage is that last. I ain't saying this is Christian, but I'm saying this is somewhat true. The thing you have to know is that in order for marriages to last, at some point, one or both partners, will be required to forgive the unforgivable and put up with stuff that no one else would put up with. The hard truth behind marriages that last, in order for marriages to last at some point, now this is not all marriages, number one, but because we don't attack it the right way, starting with premarital counseling, starting with um, um, sometimes marital retreats and just digging and going forward. He says, in order for marriages to last at some point, this is by men, one or both partners will be required to forgive the unforgivable and put up with stuff that no one else would put up with. Here's something from the article that just rocked me here. We should have, we should have to, we shouldn't have to accept or raise voices. How many women, you know, you know I've raised my voices several times. Wrong, just wrong. Listen, we shouldn't have to accept raised voices. We shouldn't have to accept passive aggressive behaviors, you know, saying something um, when you really mean something else or not addressing it the right way because you really don't want to attack it. You don't want to deal with conflict. Or periods of emotional withdrawing when you withdraw emotionally from a marriage. Did you know you can have an emotional soul tie outside of marriage? When that is intended for your spouse, I have read so many books and articles this summer talked to about 11 different people in marriages where they had emotional soul ties outside of their marriage. But we're not talking about these things. I say the devil is a lie. And no more. And I ain't mad right now. I'm telling you, I'm declaring war. Okay, listen, this thing says, however, as our partners figure out how to do life and be better, we will be forced to be present with and for those things. This is what men are talking about. He says in this one, or men say in this particular article, thegoodmenproject.com, committed, loving partners are devastated by their failing and are willing to stay through the hard work of doing the repairs. That's when you're going to have a lasting marriage. Couples that last don't skip these things when they happen. They recognize the good, recognize the good in your marriage, regardless of all the bad stuff that's going. Listen, we can win over our spouse by loving. I've been won over. Do you hear me? I've been won over by love, and I have to do the same with my husband if he goes through something. Here's the other thing. Couples that laugh know that life happens again and again. We're going to have some things that come up, and guess what? Sometimes we know how to deal with them. Sometimes we don't. Guess what we have to do? Love. And one thing the Lord showed me is love. He said, I didn't tell you, love and respect now that's a hard thing for me because when you go through hurt after hurt after hurt and disappointment after disappointment you have to let God reconstruct you to do the thing he has called you to do in the first place. Let me let me go on because I could talk about that all day. Couples that last also know how important it is to celebrate one another's success. This can't be one-sided. It has to be together. Psychology today. Let me let me read this for you and I'm moving on so we can get to another scripture. Psychology Today um, has something that says in 2016, I'm matriculating into, um, um, I love that word, I'm coming up to the year 2017. It says, they published the article, will your marriage last, question mark. And it was last reviewed 2016, but it was written earlier. And it was a notes and study done by Ted Houston, Ph.D. Professor of Human Ecology and, psycho- and Psychology at the University of Texas. Uh, oh, Texas, hey, Dallas. Got to see how they did. University of Texas in Austin. And Ted Houston said this, and they revised it and reviewed it again in 2016. When marriage succeeds, I'm going to read this. While the disillusionment model best describes those who divorce, the thing that we have a problem with is with disillusionment. We we don't see marriage for what it really is and it's a union between a man and a woman, two individuals who become one. Listen, Houston found that another model suits those who stay married, whether or not they are happy or not. The enduring dynamics model in which partners establish patterns of behavior early and they maintain them over time. Now, these patterns of behavior, I'm telling you this from what I read from the article, can be good or they can be bad. If they're bad, they're going to get worse. If they're good, they can go either way, but hopefully we'll work on them becoming greater. And so we have to see what the patterns of behavior are early in a marriage, early in a marriage, and address them. And so many of us don't address the things early in the marriage. Uh, So he says, Patterns of behavior early and maintain them over time highlight stability in the relationship. The feature that distinguishes those who remain together from those who eventually split up depends on how they act early in the marriage. The major difference between the unhappily married couples and he did a study on couples back in the on, or, uh, late nineteen nineties, I believe it was early two thousands, and two thousand. The major difference between the unhappily married couples and their happy counterpart part is simply that they have a lower level of satisfaction across the board. Yet, oddly enough, this relative unhappiness by itself does not doom the marriage. We have a whole group of people who are stable in unhappy marriages and not necessarily dissatisfied. They're just committed. Houston said, it's just a different model of marriage. It's not that they're, happy about their marriage, it's just that the discontent doesn't spill over and spoil the rest of their lives. What is he talking about? There could be some people that are not happy, but they're in a marriage, but they don't allow their unhappiness in life because what this whole study talks about is how people who are unhappy are happy and how they are in a marriage. And so I want you to understand, it, that I said this earlier, Marriage is not so much about if you're getting married to be happy, which was my thing. That is the that is a fantasy. Marriage can make you happy only if you choose to be happy in it. Can can y'all learn from me? Become very transparent and this is going to go down in history and I'll never be able to get rid of it because it's out there. It is critical, but I have learned. Hallelujah. Thank you Jesus for time of transition, I have learned that you have, to, you have to look at marriage in such a way, look at being with the other person in holy matrimony in such a way that you grow and not become stagnant. It doesn't work out by itself. You have to be intentional. He says in this one, even if they have a lower satisfaction in life, They don't let it spill over into their marriage, and they don't let it spoil them the rest of their lives. They look for other ways to become happy, even if it's just in the marriage. Did y'all hear what I said? And it it has to do with commitment. Here's the other part of this. And while all married couples eventually lose a bit of that honeymoon euphoria because it's going to go, especially if you don't work on it and do date nights and and do romantic stuff, Houston notes that. Those who remain married don't consider this a crushing blow when you lose that honeymoon euphoria. But rather a natural transition from romantic relationship to working partnership. Now, this is not, I'm not talking about Christian stuff. I'm talking about the world understands marriage sometimes better than us. And the devil is alive. We're not doing this anymore. And when conflict does arise, they diffuse it with various constructive coping mechanisms. You have to have, we have to have tools to make in this world. So I'm going to go to 1 Corinthians 7. I'm going to give us some tools. Keep your marriage vows is what is said in Corinthians. Now to the married I command, yet not I but the Lord. Paul makes it plain. This ain't me talking, Paul said. This is the Lord because I ain't married, Paul said. Don't don't do what I'm doing because I'm living I'm living unmarried, so I can't tell you how to do it. But God said a wife is not to from her husband, but even if she does depart, let her remain unmarried or be reconciled to her husband. And a husband is not to divorce his wife. Listen, now to the <laughs> Woo This is so profound. I had to read this over and over again this year. Now to the merit I command you, yet not I, but the Lord. Number Verse number 12, but to the rest I, not the Lord. He says again, I, I, I said the Lord said this about marriage, but now I'm going to talk how I talk, Paul says. If any brother has a wife who does not believe and she is willing to live, live with him, let him not divorce her. And a woman who has a husband who does not believe, if he is willing to live with her, let her not divorce him. So even Paul, not being God, had enough sense to say, don't divorce. Yes, he gave a way out. He does give a way of escape and stuff, and he gave it to the people because they needed some mercy, we got it twisted. I heard so many people, and, and, and if you're in a divorce, because I've been divorced before, my husband's been divorced before, but hear me on this. don't doesn't mean that grace cannot follow you later on in life. There are times when you don't have a choice. I ain't talking about staying in, if you're in an abusive relationship. I ain't talking about that. But if you perceive <laughs> If you perceive abuse and it's not real because you're making something up because you just want out, you are a liar. Because I have some females come to me. Well, he's not. He's the, the, stop it. I've been in abusive relationship. You, the devil, is a lie. Stop making stuff up. Again, I'm coming at you. Stop making stuff up. Just because they're mad don't mean it's an abusive relationship. You don't know abuse. You you don't you don't know what it really looks like, because sometimes the person ain't even mad and does something just crazy. That's all that is. Listen, he had enough sense to know if he is willing to live with her, let her not divorce him. For the unbelieving husband, listen to Paul saying, not God. He said, for the unbelieving husband is sanctified by the wife, and the unbelieving wife is sanctified by the husband. Otherwise your children would be unclean. Now we under grace, but thanks be to God. But so he's saying, stick it out. You won't you because guess what? Your children are watching you. But but listen, I ain't telling them to stick it out if you're gonna be crazy because sometimes separation is a good thing. But now they are holy. Your children become holy because you've decided to commit to your marriage vows. People of God, hear me on this. I am so serious about this because I'm watching and listening as Christians constantly divorce because they can't handle it any longer. What are you talking about? You know, I, so I'm going to talk about something of, of a book that I'm, I'm I'm finishing and just started writing, and it's so powerful. This is so powerful because a, a piece of me is going to come out to the world and it's very, it's a vulnerable thing about being barren. And, and it hurts to write it, but it's, it's good therapy for me. So y'all do what you want to do with that. But I'm telling you, there are several people, God related this to the spiritual. There's several people going through this, and it's so critical to address the things that you're going through that cause you to act in a certain way in relationship because you haven't dealt with that because you don't understand it, because you don't want to deal with it, because you're ignoring whatever it is within you. And thus we bring that into relationships, and we can't go according to the Bible. And then our children are almost, that's probably why we call them at risk. No, they're at promise. I heard somebody say they're at promise because we decide to commit, to humble ourselves, to change our ways, to do what God said, not always easy, to do what God said and commit to something. Stop backing down from your responsibility. I'm talking about me. I'm talking about you. Your responsibility in a marriage is a certain part the wife is to respect and love and honor her husband. And this is what I am learning. I wish people taught this before while I was growing up. And the man is to provide and to love her as Christ loved the church and thus he gave his life for it. Yeah. Romba my But we all have a purpose and role. Woo, y'all not listening to me today. Y'all are y'all listening? But now they are hurling. But if the unbeliever departs, let him depart. If he, if it's an unbeliever, then say believer. If an unbeliever departs. Let him go. I remember my friend called and said, and someone says, let him go. Let him go. Let him go. Bye. A brother or a sister is not under bondage in such cases, but God has called us to peace. For how do you know, oh, wife, whether you will save your husband? Or how do you know, oh, husband, whether you will save your wife? 1 Corinthians 7. Just reading some of that stuff. I'm going to have to spend today, but that's okay. I'm going to do this until God says stop. And guess what? You're gonna to listen to this stuff for the next for the next couple of weeks until God says no more. I want you to join me on next Sunday. We'll be back on at five o'clock PM. I'll make sure we're five o'clock PM Mountain Standard time, eight o'clock PM Eastern Standard Time. Want you to understand we're talking about marriages that last for a lifetime. Not not just these these two- and three-year marriages, some people under a year, I say, what what are you doing? Why did you get married? Stop doing that. Get married, commit, last. You know, you say what you want about it, but I have decided to commit. All right, whatever. Let's listen to this. Final quote for tonight, and we're going to pray. Don't just be physically monogamous. Be mentally monogamous as well. (laughs) Did you hear that? True intimacy begins in the heart and in the mind, not in the bedroom. A man, dot Org. I'm gonna say this again because what I've been hearing from people, and, and, and y'all think all this stuff is me, but this ain't. This ain't just. This ain't just me um, finding this out in my own marriage. This ain't really about me on today. This is about what God is showing me people coming to me and saying things, I'm overhearing things, listening to radio stations of what they're talking about, and we're not doing this the Christian way. I'm not talking about nobody's doing it. Some people are doing this. There's pastors teaching this. There's, there's different people. But listen, it is so important to understand, it doesn't start just within the bedroom. Don't just be physically monogamous. Okay? So what, you ain't going out and having sex with somebody else. But are you mentally monogamous? Or is your mind on this marriage? Is your mind on your spouse? Are you thinking about your spouse? Is, are your emotions attached with your spouse? If not, you're, you're a polygamist. I'm just going to say it. You don't like it, I'm going to say it. I don't care. True intimacy begins in the heart and in the mind, not in the bedroom. You may think you intimate, but you're not really intimate until you attach and get connected to your spouse mentally and in the heart. I'm done. DaveWillis.org. Y'all check it out and then You may think I'm lying, but DaveWillis.org. D a v e w i l l i s. Thank you so much for joining tonight. Let's let's pray. Father, we thank you. We love you. We bless you, and we praise you. You're a great God. Yes, you are. Thank you for refocusing me today, Lord. Thank you for getting me refocused for this time. Thank you, O Lord, that all things do work together for the good of them who love the Lord, who are called according to your perfect purpose and will. And so, God, thank you for this time. It had to be the way it is. I wanted a different way. But, Lord, thank you for the word so that I can share with the people of God. Marriage is that last. And no, God, I'm not perfect even in mine. But thank you, oh, God, that you're transforming and transitioning me into the wife that I need to be. Thanks for my husband. Thank you, oh, God, for what you are doing in marriages, that you're building them up. And you, oh, my God, I heard you. I heard you clearly. And you have started new ministries as a result of people going through trials and tribulations. God, help us to submit to your will, submit to your way in the majestic name of Jesus. And we declare... Christian marriages, those that are standing on your word, will last for a lifetime. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thank you so much for joining Kingdom Authority. It's a pleasure to be with you. I'm your host, Reverend Dancer Jones-Morris, and my co-host, Bishop Latrice Jester, in the interim. I can't wait for my husband to return. He's working a lot, y'all. And so one day he'll be returning with us. I pray if it is God's will. And so guess what? We will we be talking about marriages that last one day, or something else. I don't really care what it is. But let me tell you something. Thank you that we have authority in our marriages. We're not going to be um, of attacking different situations. This month is about marriages that last, of having kingdom authority in our marriage. There are some secrets I'm going to unfold on next week, and I pray that the couple that I have um, hopefully and stand by for next week will be able to attend. I want you to pray for a guest on tonight. And so I'm not going to call them by name, but they've had some recent um, um, trials with health, health on both of their parts, and they're in a situation where they need God immediately. So just say... I lift up the guests that were supposed to be on today on Kingdom Authority today who are struggling with health issues that have stricken them where they can't meet some of their needs, but God is meeting the need. And so just say that and pray for them. We lift them up on tonight in the name of Jesus. Thank you again. Kingdom Authority, next Sunday, 8 o'clock p.m. Eastern Standard Time, 5 o'clock p.m. Mountain Standard Time. Don't forget to come on to com. Don't forget to come on to keifm.com. You're going to be blessed next, next week as we share some tools, as we share some secrets to success of making your marriage last. God bless you and have a good night.